Educators Amplified, the podcast. Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well-being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna. And I'm Hallie. We see you. We hear you. We are you. Welcome back, everybody, to Educators Amplified, the podcast. This is Hallie Schmeling. And Joanna Rosado over here at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, we're back (laughs) and we are ready to share with our audience. We've got some things going on. We've been having some things going on. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've been doing a lot of things because I'm going to give a shout out to Kevin Kumashiro. So Kevin is based out of California. If you haven't heard about him, look him up. He's a former dean at the University of San Francisco. And really, we're giving him a shout out because a couple weeks ago, we were presenters at his 12th International Conference on Education and Justice. And so really what it was is he gave a platform to people like us who have podcasts or some kind of media kind of presence, we were able to connect with lots of other podcasters mm-hmm. um, related to education. Well, I think they're they're really coming across, I think, in the world of academia of that podcast is like its own research medium now. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way to join other people who are doing podcasts within the education and justice sphere. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Yeah, it felt really good. And I always love, like since COVID, the concept of sitting on a Zoom call and it's like I'm sitting in my living room in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and then other people are from California and New York. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, oh, there were some people from, I think, London. That always energizes me where I'm like, look at how connected we are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Um, So, right. Wanted to give a shout out to Kevin and that conference and everyone that we met there. Then we also want to give an update. I remember last year I came back all excited and rejuvenated during our episode three, the one amplifying Heather, where we specifically talk about going to the WEAC Professional Development Institute conference. And we had another one Mm -hmm. where we were able to present again. We titled it Transforming Education, Going from Powerless to Peace. And we love that conference and that session because it is mainly filled with aspiring educators. So people who are coming into the profession, yes, they do exist. There are people out here who really are interested or feel called to be educated and Mm -hmm. formally trained Mm -hmm. um, as teachers. And so I always love that because the energy and the... I don't know, the vibe of Mm -hmm. teachers coming in when they know kind of what they're up against. Yeah. Meeting with all these what they consider like aspiring educators, it always brings me back to when I know on some episode you mentioned something like teaching is a craft. It's a calling. It isn't just like, "Mm, I think I want to be a teacher today because talking to all these students or aspiring educators, like you can tell it's in them Mm -hmm. where they're like, I want to go work with students. I want to work in education. They're excited. 
And then they're also able to articulate because they're smart people about the fear that they have because they know that or they've had roommates that have come and gone or they just see the news about how they're like, I know I'm passionate about this. I know I want to do this. And yet when I walk in, is everything just going to be in total disarray? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do how how do I do this? When they came to our session, that's what they were saying, right? They Mm -hmm. were like, oh, I'm interested in the title because I do know teachers are powerless. Okay, hear that. But that is what they said, right? They're like, I do know that teachers are powerless and I want to know how I how I can have peace or still have an impact. So, oh, yeah, but I always love doing mm-hmm. that session. Shout out to everybody who was at the WEAC PDI conference. Thank you so much. I hope you are, are still connected mm-hmm. and, and connecting through our Instagram and Facebook page. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of that. The last thing that we're really excited about and want to share is that we are like so, so back because we were able to hook up with NEA and they've offered a nice grant for us to continue this project and to develop our voices, continue to educate, continue to amplify, continue to really try to bring forth solutions. Right. And and so through that, one, I'm excited that we're being supported. But two, I'm excited for all the members listening out there mm-hmm. about the opportunities that do exist within mm-hmm. the NEA and within WEAC. Yeah. The opportunities to apply for grants that can really support projects that can bring out teacher's voice um, and educator-driven solutions. So check out the grants that are available and reach out to us now that we've cracked the code and figured out (laughs) how to do it. (laughs) And so, right, for a little reference to NEA stands for the National Education Association. So obviously we're based in Wisconsin, but if you're listening from outside of Wisconsin within United States, just go to NEA.org. And you'll get all the information. And then I do want to shout out to Wisconsin educators that if you like what you hear and want to learn more, then WEAC, our Wisconsin Education Association Council, is here for you. Like, WEAC still exists. (laughs) I'm really excited. I'm glad that we we get to continue doing this. I hope that people feel as connected as I do when Mm -hmm. I'm recording this. Yeah. So, right, let's get into our guest. We're really excited about our guest today, who is Dr. Michael Fullen, an international education systems expert. Global leadership director. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. And um, Michael is not only just a well-known educational leader, he's just a really awesome dude. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... He and I have gotten to know each other over the past couple of years and do some work together. He's a lifter-upper. He's a mm-hmm. connector. He's on the Educators Amplified vibe. Oh, and so, yeah. right, we are going to be so excited. I'm happy that you'll be able to meet him because mm-hmm. um, you've only heard about him. I know. Um, and I'm happy that you'll be able to meet him. And to our audience. Mm-hmm. Intro to Dr. Michael Fullen. Yeah. One more thing I want to add, too, is we had mentioned before, and and we'll kind of address it a little bit in this interview, but I really just want to encourage everybody to go out and read the op-ed that Joanna and Michael wrote together. Uh, It's through Edweek, but it's called, When It Comes to the Teacher Shortage, Who's Abandoning Whom? I love it. Um, So if you haven't already checked that out or read it, please do so. You're going to hear a lot of similar threads and themes of what we talk about. But, 
you know, you're going to hear Joanna's words and Michael's words in a little article, baby. Well, and, and it's we, really great. Right. And we really wanted to come together over the idea of our great belief and faith in the educators who remain in the system. We're finally meeting, but Joanna and Michael have been working together for how long? It's been, I think, two years. Gonna go on three. I believe we started meeting in May of 2020. Yeah. So that was a result of a cold call from. Uh, right. Yeah, cold email. Yeah. I don't do those very often, um, but no, Hallie knows over the years I have done some. Oh, yeah. I'm like, not very often. You do it more than the average person. Well, I used to write to, like, musicians and rappers. <laughs> <laughs> She's definitely written to Oprah. Yeah, I've tried to get yeah. people to come to our classroom. I wrote to Deepak yep. when, he, when we went to go see him. Yes. Do you follow Deepak Chopra at all? No, I don't, but I know of them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, and he, they literally wrote back and were like, sorry, we won't have enough time. Because we're close to the airport. Mm-hmm. So it is yeah. our, our school is close to the airport. So it, right. it'd be easy for people to come by. But yes. You're the only one that's bit, Michael. Right. <laughs> okay. And right. uh, I bet you're happy you did. Because <laughs> I know sure. Joanna is. So I don't know. Do we want to do a little bit of Joanna? Do you want to explain who Michael is? Michael, do you want to explain who you are? Because I will say, sorry, I'm in the mix with Joanna where I didn't know who you were. As a teacher, which is always crazy to me. But if this was administrators, I bet they'd know exactly who you are. But I think it's important that we bridge this gap so that more teachers know about you and who you are. Well, I can just start by saying the whole, like, why I did reach out. Okay. I really am always on the hunt for ideas, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm always reading stuff. I'm always looking. um, And I'm always looking for stuff that is kind of supportive of looking at uh, whole people, whole children, whole systems. And so I don't really exactly remember what happened, how I came across a piece that Michael had written. But I feel like it was the second piece. It was about like the right drivers, but I feel like it was the anniversary edition or something where like you had updated it. I just remember reading this thing and being like, oh my gosh, this is it. This is what we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, because in our work, we had seen the upfront damage of a system that is just really based on reform and what you call academic obsession. Um, we saw how in children, what what we thought we were calling help, we thought was harmful. It, it just brought kids to me who were 16 saying, I can't learn. I don't know how to read. They've been telling me since first grade that I don't know how to read. Um, And so we saw this psychological side. But anyway, I remember reading Michael's piece and really being moved by it. So really, it wasn't like, you know, an everyday thing where I was like, holy crap. And I probably at the time showed it to Hallie or I forward her a million things. You know what I mean? Like, no, read. this one she printed out. Yeah, yeah. I'm serious <laughs> if I print it out. You're yes. right. 
And I remember exactly where I was sitting. You're right. It was during COVID. Because I remember we, our desks were all the way across the room. Yes. You walked it over to me. Yes. And if I still had that, I should have kept it. I mean, it was just highlighted and written on. Right. And I was like, this is it, Joanna. Right. So, so yeah. right. You're right. When I'm real, like, I really want you to see it right. I'll place it in your hand. Uh-huh. I won't just email it to you. Um, and... Um, anyway, so moved. But I think before I even did that, I think when I read it, I wrote to you immediately. Like I saw a thing underneath. And so it was in, you know, it was um, in real time. You know what I mean? Like I read it and was affected and reached out to you via email. And just I remember saying something about like, I I feel I'm doing this work. I just didn't have the name for it, but I have all the stuff. Like we're doing all the things um, and we've created all, we've created this model and, and we're doing it and I'd love to talk with you about it. So that was all I knew of Michael at the time was that he had written this article and then I emailed him. I don't think well, it was until we started meeting that I looked into you further, but go on. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's... Uh... You mentioned about administrators knowing me better. And the reason for that is that I write a lot of books and they take their administrators are required usually to take uh, doctoral programs, principals, administrators. Mm -hmm. So they're always encountering me without my being present through the books because they're on the reading list or the assignment list. So they think they know me more than they know me because they haven't met me, but that's how they, Mm -hmm. they, they get to it. And then you go to the leadership courses and they are linking it to that. So that's one level. But the level I got to you on was because the writing I want to do is I want to write something about people where they their reaction is, it's as if he was sitting in my office, in my room, watching me, and then commenting on it. That's it. The degree of empathy, the capture of what people's real life is. And as you, uh, you get into that, and that's how I got to the drivers. The drivers are things, uh, there's negative drivers like accountability and bureaucracy and that. And they, um, people know those right away. But when you get the positive ones that say, this is kind of working, they light up and they really run with it. So uh, I, I I always say that 80% of, our, of my best writing is coming from practitioners like you, Joanna, because we've talked a lot, uh, where I get ideas that I know fit but they're in mm-hmm. your words. They're, I have a concept. You get the words. I know it fits because it's coming from you that are you're really working on day after day. And then when I write about it, it comes across uh, insightfully as like, again, as if I were there. So I knew we had a rapport. I just wanted to uh, go for it because there is so much changing these three years and mm-hmm. so much going wrong that we had to jump on it. That's mm-hmm. what we did. Well, and we're always feeling like, oh, my gosh, like what we are doing is so needed because it is so humanity based, but it's wildly misunderstood in our current system. I was going to ask you, too, Michael. So even the term academic obsession that Joanna mentioned from that one article, did you get that from a practitioner or just where was the inception of kind of putting all of the layers of what's going on in schools into the term academic obsession. Well, there's a theme in our work about Mm -hmm. uh, the closer you get to the mindset of the person doing the learning and capture that, the better off you're going to be able to figure it out. So there have been a couple of studies around that have said, uh, you know, students are 
even, well, they take another end of it. One of the books called The Students That Did Well Academically okay. as the Wounded Winners. Mm. Think of that, the wounded winners. Mm-hmm. Even those that were doing well were losing off. And then, of course, you have the whole slew of people that aren't doing well. So I I looked at it and I knew, I knew we were worried about the excessive testing. We didn't like it. It was a bad driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judgmentalness, judgmentalism, bad driver. All of those things were wrong. And uh, I and they were a result of... Uh, this academic obsession and then even in, in higher education there's a journalist uh, who you should you might know him his name is paul tuff uh he's written for new york times he's written two or three books but he wrote the last two on um, uh, post-secondary uh, that uh, community colleges and universities and you should read it because he just basically said these are hell holes mm. of favoritism <laughs> Their favoritism, oh. and, and he's a he's a journalist, a dog with a bone, and he just exposed it. I love his work because he's nailing it. Of all the uh, the disadvantaged students that get there, mm-hmm. let's say because they're in special programs, they get they, if they're in a school where they're paying attention to inequity and they help them and they pass and they get into university, that's great. But eighty percent of them fail once they get to community right. college mm-hmm. because they're they're only prepared in a narrow way. They're not prepared for the life of, uh, uh, of in this world. So I think that that's really revealing. And I, I like concepts that are powerful, that capture it. When you say academic obsession, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to uh, deny that mm-hmm. and still be right. We do tell our students that when mm-hmm. our because, again, our students have lived the life of believing that they lack academic skills, which, again, we're we're firm and like no they have skills and they have potential what they're missing is the regulation um and so that's what we work on and that is what we tell them we're like success in college is going to be about being regulated it's about being you know able to manage your time be able to handle a flexible schedule be able to live independently ish communicate when you are having an issue Mm -hmm. professionally you know Mm -hmm. all of that um, so that is literally what, what we say. And I think a lot of it is, of course, based on our own experiences of like, oh yeah, I mean, I'm a first generation high school and college graduate. Um, I really just showed up, you know, <laughs> and was like watching other people. I was the first generation as well. And you could get away with it. It wasn't like, so, uh, you know, you weren't watched so carefully, whereas now if you're disadvantaged and you get in there on just academic grounds, but you don't have the, the sense of regulation and, mm-hmm. uh, and and what you're able to relate to, mm-hmm. you just get killed mm-hmm. in that in that environment. So the, the, the failure rate is about 80%. It's incredible. Wow. In sec- I'm talking community colleges, yeah. uh, universities for uh, high school, uh, kids that graduate from high school but aren't prepared for life, really. I get a little speechless because I'm like, to me, that's a staggering statistic. And as someone who's in the classroom all the time, I'm like, yeah, you know, like when we're only focused on testing and academics, this is, of course, the product that's going to happen. But then I'm like, where's the mismatch that it's like, why can't we change things? You know what I mean? Like, I totally hear it. And I'm like, yeah, that's messed up. Let's do something about it. Let's fix it. But then it's like you go to school and you're like, nope, we got to teach the test. You know, we got to get these test scores up. Well, and it hurts because now the kids are just hiding so much. Like you just see this massive disconnect 
with the system and maybe how they view adults even. Yeah. Yeah. Because of that. I mean, again, we have a different little thing going on, but it takes time to develop our relationship with students because they are kind of so guarded about what they would view they can share with an adult. Well, and they're very used to saying what they think the adult wants to, to hear. hear. Right. So having an authentic connection is hard is new for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it is very much like, oh, you're asking me this question and you say it's supposed to be authentic, but everything in my school system so far has been there's a right or wrong answer. So what's the right answer right now yeah. to give? Well, what I found uh, revealing and frustrating, I guess, is uh, because, Joanna, you and I talked about it this way. I was starting to see that clearly that there's the inner system and there's the external system. I'm talking system now. Yeah. The inner system are the two of you with your students yep. and your school. This inner system that you had mm-hmm. was where the real life was. And the external system was trying to fix it with all the wrong fixes. Mm-hmm. Everything that they did only made it worse. So that is uh, that is really phenomenally uh, problematic because it's not just individuals. Uh, society is going down the tube because you can't even get forward on this once you see this system light. So this is why when we, you know, we did the uh, op-ed on who's abandoning whom, mm-hmm. we figure the external system by and large gets it wrong and then doubles down on getting it wrong. Yeah. And when it doubles down on getting it wrong, who's, who's, who's abandoning whom? get into the solution so I start to see some of the solution and this is where it gets interesting because mostly you don't have a chance except one of the one of the factors that I happen to be working on is the potential uh, leverage role of the school principal the school principal could be a champion of the inner system could be a member of mm-hmm. the inner system but if you're in the wrong bureaucracy the wrong district uh, you, as a principal, you end up being part of the external system, which is really, you know, it's not going to work, but that's what your job is. So I just did, finished a book. Uh, I think, Joanna, you know this, mm-hmm. called The Principal 2.0. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about, uh, we call I call it three keys for maximizing impact. And I did an earlier edition in 2014, but this is uh, one that's uh, fitting the times. And what you see in the odd school is a school principal who gets what you're talking about, who mm-hmm. actually is able to is uh, is able to get the system going in a way where the principal is part of a seamless part of with you and with the students, and then causing good things to happen. And that's the part that I featured in this book. And I I'm able to feature. I had about ten principals that I did four page profiles on from four well, I think four or five different countries because we're working in multiple countries, mm-hmm. and you see the solution there, which is only partial because it's a Band-Aid. It says, okay, if we can get the principals to think of themselves that your best allies are your teachers, not the hierarchy. Principal, your best ally are the students, the teachers, the parents, not the hierarchy. So figure that out, and then we want eventually the hierarchy to figure that out, but at least in the mm. microcosm, I want to, to see that. But if you're in a system that's uh, got the two systems and they're and they haven't got the power relationship set and they get 
doubling down on the wrong things, you get you you just keep getting your situation worse and worse. And I I loved your line that we put in Joanna put it in the uh, op-ed that uh, okay we can see like let's look at who's uh, leaving the system. But why don't we look at who's staying Mm -hmm. and ask the question, why are they staying? Mm -hmm. And then you open up a positive vein. Like they're staying. The chances are it's for the humanitarian, developmental, restorative, flourishing reasons. That's why they're staying. Mm -hmm. And if we could ever tap into that and make it more normal, you would have a transformed system. Well, they're just so happy to always look at problems. I often think, you know, that's part of our podcast, I feel like, even though we just we just talk realistically, but, you know, we talk about it with hope and being like, what would our education system be like if we talked about it like it was exciting and cool instead of always a, a complete disaster and drag, which, of course, there's aspects. But again, a lot of it has to do with our framing and how we position things. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love your framing and as you were talking I was thinking I can't even imagine working with my principal like that you know for what I've been telling them (laughs) and for being in this profession for 13 years I've never had a principal that I could even connect with on that level what I was thinking when you were talking Michael was like oh you're just so smart and you're so cute and like right have you even ever had a conversation like this no no Mm-mm. No, it's it's, it's ridiculous because I mean we, I gravitate towards systems. Which by that I mean mm-hmm. the district. Uh, the, I mean I'll go bigger, but just the district. And we've got districts in several countries that uh, you know I can name them. I write about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's some in California. There's there's some in Ontario where I am, and they have uh, school principals that are exactly like you, on same wavelength. Mm-hmm. See you as their best allies mm-hmm. and are seen by teachers like you as the best champions. And so you really get an entirely different yeah. climate, well-being, productivity, but it doesn't, it still doesn't grow enough mm. because somehow the bigger system, Yeah. Uh, just, I was thinking recently about uh, what's coming out now from some policymakers. We have to make some changes so that uh, we can uh, attract and retain teachers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the worst formulation you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Why do we want to attract and retain teachers in a system that's broken? Yes. Why not? Why not attract and retain teachers because they are going to do and talk about what they love to do, and the students and the parents are going to benefit. And it's your life, except your life. I mean, the two of you. That's the life that I'm seeing coming alive more broadly with school principals and even the district embracing that because they love it they know it's the way to go mm-hmm. and i can districts like that except they're in the minority right but that's why we're connected all of us oh, somehow yes. and that's yes. what educators amplified is about yes. is to kind of like again tell the story plainly and mm-hmm. because we do think that the middle wants this at first i was thinking to myself i was going to say hey shout out bobby my husband we're moving to ontario right oh yeah <laughs> But then I'm like, like, all right, I do love thinking about like things on a systems level. Like I'm never like it's 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 this person whose fault it is or it's that person to blame. Like it's just such a much bigger monster (laughs) that we're Mm -hmm. kind of up against. Um, So I do appreciate, Joanna, you you reeling it back in to be like, but that's why we're connected. And that's why we're doing this. Yeah, because it can feel so overwhelming. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm a kind of a hopeful guy, and I still believe that part of our framing of this is uh, that these days we're fooling around with the uh, the end of humanity. That's how I think about what I call spirit work and, mm-hmm. and learning. Uh, you can almost see the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel some of it around climate and and social relationships and inequalities. So education has a heroic role to play. Thousand percent. Yes. And, uh, and that's what teachers already sense and know at your level. And mm-hmm. uh, all the smart people have to do is start to leverage that upward yep. with students and teachers being that combined uh, force and administrators doing things that they can enable to work. It's harder than giving an order, but the reason that uh, giving an order is hard is you can't enforce it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's actually hard. But it's hard. To, it's easy to utter it. It's hard to enforce it. Why not do the right thing and enjoy the energy that comes flying from the right thing? Well, and I had shared with you that I think it's intuitive. The thing you mentioned where it's like we're kind of at the edge of humanity. I think it's intuitive in the kids. Like <gasps> I was going to say that. Yeah. yeah, they feel it. <laughs> and yeah. they really are like open and searching. With the youth, this is just what is. Like, this is their world. This is how they see it. And it's intuitive to know kind of how to course correct or like they just really want to intuitively connect with each other. It's not as intuitive in the people who have the power. Yeah, the kids feel it. Just really recently, I (laughs) asked the kids, like there was something I was feeling that like we've been in a good rhythm. But then I really will get like, okay, great. We're in a good rhythm. So now we're going to do this. And now we're going to do that. And we're going to be doing, you know, and I start. Now we're going to go out on work placements. Right. I I can see Hallie looking at me like I'm crazy. (laughs) But I start telling the kids that, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, we're going to go do this. And we're going to go do that. And And, but again, I'm intuitive too. So I, then I stopped yesterday and was like, okay, you guys, I realize I can get like, you know, we're going to go do all these things. I says, but tell me when you hear me talking, do you feel like, Ms. Rosado, I can't even handle my life right now? Or do you feel like I can handle what we're doing right now, but I can't imagine adding in anything more? Or do you feel like I can handle what I'm doing now and I could do more? I'm ready to yeah. do more. Yeah. And yeah. the majority of the kids said, I can handle my life right now. Like I've built up this school year mm-hmm. so far to I can handle my life right now, but I probably can't do anything more. And I was like, thank you for that. You know, I'm glad I asked because I needed that reminder, too, because I'm in old school teaching still some some days of being like pre-COVID, where Mm -hmm. it's just like push, push, go, go, more, more. And right now it is about being present and being and recognizing that it actually is a lot for our students Mm -hmm. to be here. And to commit to being regulated. And so Mm -hmm. I had had the conversation yesterday. And then in between yesterday and today, you know, there was another fatal school shooting in the United States. And so I know the kids had heard about this. Mm -hmm. I just was like, right, you guys, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing right now. Because you're right. It is enough. It is a lot you know, the fact that we are committed to being here and, and connected and we really engage when we're here, because I know you have all of these other worries. Would you share some of them with me? What are they? Mm-hmm. You know, and they just start going. And it is like these humanity based yep. things, like I said, of what they'll just what they'll come up with. Um, and so, right. I mean, along the lines of what you think and what I think is 
right? How much am I learning from that, from just Mm -hmm. listening to them and then kind of carving out a path based on what they're saying? And so my kids, under the best of conditions, small class environment, two teachers, highly regulated, are just making it. So how does everybody else feel right now? It's, uh, it's, you know, that's very close to what we're working on now because we have, I did another op-ed, you know, Joanna, that, yeah. uh, that said uh, six reasons why we think uh, students are the change makers that we need. And that's, you know, that's published by Ed Week. Yep. And that, so I've been thinking about that because that's, the premise is if enough students uh, uh, were interested I mean, they have, they're going to live into the next century, most of them, mm-hmm. that we're talking about, young kids. And uh, then you get this other doubt I have that I'm trying to grapple with now that is it a cruel expectation to expect kids that are downtrodden to be the heroes to save the system? Mm-hmm. Is that is that uh, really uh, like a bad thing to do? Right, right. Is yet- it resp- Remember, I keep, I yeah. keep yeah. dancing with the words responsible, ethical. About some yeah. of these things, yeah. But I think it. Uh, I think we we're very close to it. I think it's an unrealistic uh, ask for sure. But I think if we get into the conditions that will favor some of that, those students will flourish in their own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hmm. not that they will save the world; they'll do that too. But they will flourish themselves compared yeah. to where they are. Well, so I or think that's start or this great combination of of actually kind of what I'm talking about, like I'm Mm. hearing them, they're pretty clear, but then I have the skill sets about like, right, how to really teach with that, how to organize for change in a way, you know? So it is, it's about coming together in a different way. Like I've been finding lately that my expertise about adolescent development and learning is what I think is my strongest suit right now. You know, before, you know, at different times or when things are going on, like during COVID, I think it was uh, my knowledge about trauma. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and how to get people through intense situations. But this moment or this year, I think it's our skill set about adolescent learning and development that is helping. Because then it allows me to take what they say and then put it through what I know about how they learn and you know what I mean and how they act and what they're really moved by and what they're capable of. Your job, I think, is uh, let's call it uh, liberation pedagogy. You want to mm-hmm. liberate them to do the things we're talking about, not because they need those things need to be done. That's true. But because those students will benefit enormously in being human beings in their life in their lifetimes. So it's doing something that is liberating, but it's also gets them into the domain of learning and living that is phenomenal for their presence on this planet. And they will experience that the rest of their lives mm-hmm. if they get started down that pathway. Mm-hmm. I know. They got to get on that pathway. <laughs> but we've done it. Well, yeah, I'm just, but I'll think big picture. Bigger, right. More than our 20 kids a year type thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
And yeah, you need to uh, you need to have bigger influence, both of you. I mean, this podcast is one of the ways right. of doing it. But, mm-hmm. but also, I I think you know when I our various talks, Joanna, it's always in some ways it's uh, you're you're great at coping and surviving a bad system. But then if you if the second sentence is okay, am I good at improving the bad system? Mm-hmm. Can I do some of that in, mm-hmm. in a, with a slightly different strategy? And the answer has to be yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how to do that then is the next big breakthrough. Well, and I see right. for you too exactly what Michael said. You'll always say you're a good systems navigator, mm-hmm. you know, and you can really help bridge that to students who need to navigate the system as well. And then I think too just about like in general, we have a whole language that mm-hmm. could be adapted in a school system mm-hmm. related to regulation, related to, you know, because regulation encompasses you know, discipline, it also encompasses when a child can access learning and knowledge. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, there is so much. Mm-hmm. We we have these old books in our room called Eat This, Not That. You know <laughs> what I mean? Where it is, like, it's about how to make healthier choices. You know, so it's like, instead yeah. of getting the Big Mac, yeah. just get the cheeseburger. Um <laughs> That's though what I always picture, and I, I don't know that, that format, but right where I'm always like, the do this, not, you know, and it might be natural to want to do this, but maybe try that kind of thing. You know, That's what I think about sharing our language and our methods. Also talked about, uh, as you do that, the next element to add to the thinking when I think you are working on that is how would I actually then go a step further and think about the system changing favorably? So I don't have to have this uphill battle so mm-hmm. steep all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm actually seeing the system change. So I think you're in a good position to identify some of those changes that would be an incremental step more than, you know, restoring kids from a bad system, mm-hmm. but actually starting to think, OK, we could what if we change the system, that mm-hmm. inner system that I described that I referred to? What if it starts to change in a way that kids don't get in so much trouble, that they actually do better, mm-hmm. that that the system recognizes the good from the bad pathways? And I think there are there are formulations out there because why would you run a system as an administrator in the hierarchy, the mm-hmm. policymaker, that's so hard to run and so unrewarding at every turn? Why would you want to do that? I mean, sure, some people might want it if mm. they're prison wardens, but that's not the system you want. You want a system that's that's better than that. And I think you need to take your current work and do a step up into what would a piece of system change look like yeah. if it happened around here. Well, and that too, where we've been for years, like, okay, if we need all this help, how about just create a system that's more helpful? <laughs> Is what I would say, right? I'd be like, oh, yeah. If you got all these problems, make a system that doesn't create all these problems. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're getting ready. We're getting ready. You're heading there. Okay, so you say you've heard leaders that vibe. Do you have contact with other teachers where you're hearing that they're doing the kind of work that we're doing? Yeah, I think I think so. And I think the leaders I'm talking about, their teachers yeah. would say our best allies are our students and our principal mm-hmm. for this work. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I'm looking for teachers who say our best allies are just what I said, students and, and administrators at the first level, the principal level, because then you've got kind of a combination, of not a critical mass, but at least there's more than just individual or small groups of teachers saying that. So I think in one way you're, 
you need to team up with uh, students on the one hand and uh, school administrators on the other hand and say, this is why, why we're all in doing this and this is how we could do it better. And that's, that's what should happen. Hmm. Yeah, you're, you, this, is, I was, this is probably the quietest I've ever been on an episode. Right, I'm like, you guys, this is the podcast, <laughs> like you got to be talking. You're really like helping me. Yeah, yeah, no, whatever. but in a really good way. Like, I'm sitting here yeah. in reflection and it feels good. Is what You know, I wasn't, it wasn't a put down. I'm like, thank you. This is, yeah. I like thinking like this. Um, and when I, when I have my book, I'll send you a copy. This will be uh, cool. late January. You'll see this whole book. It's about principals, but really it's about principals who work well with teachers. Mm -hmm. That's what it's about. And you see these examples from different countries that are specifically described, very specifically, what names, names of the places, names of the teachers, names of what they do, and, mm -hmm. and a cross-section of examples. So I just think you really start to look at that, I do, and say, if they can do it in these systems, why can't we have more like that? Why don't those... those uh, schools that are in a kind of a rut, spinning their wheels and worse, going backwards, why can't they be attracted to this? Their life would be so much better. Their impact would be greater. Society would be better. I think there's a an attraction here coming out of the worst of COVID. Mm -hmm. And what COVID did was just expose how bad the system was. And at least it's more, you can mm -hmm. see it. You can see the badness more readily now, uh, but it really was there for it before. It's just that it's more extreme, and we're not going back, and and we're not going back to recapture. I think some of the bad things, anyways, which is good. I just think we have to figure out how to use this. It's a do or die situation. You either lose the system, mm -hmm. or you start to rescue it. There's no other choice. obstacle we face is when you talk you speak very plainly and it's easy to understand so I think that's good but an issue with the system is we say that everything's fine no matter what mm. you know this is what I tell I'm like I mm -hmm. I keep all these articles where it'll say like <laughs> like there was one from the beginning of the school year where it was like writing about like you know this district down 200 teachers you know like worried about yeah. starting out the school year but then there's a quote that's like Everybody will have somebody in front of them. Now, first of all, I'm like, okay, that doesn't sound very reassuring. But you're still trying to make it sound like everything's good here. We're down, you know, 200 teachers, but the kids are still going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Then I read an article recently that was like a school district that that did like change a bunch of like language, like French and Spanish classes to online because there were no teachers. And... Yeah. Then again, in the article, it's, you know, so it's like, you know, blankety blank school must change to virtual because of teacher shortage. But then the quotes from the leaders are like, but these kids will still be in school and they're still going to learn. Right. But and I'm like, why don't we just say this is unfortunate. This is impacting kids mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. we're trying to do something, but it's not as good as them. Ha you know, but part of the issue, I think, is that we our experience has been like no one's willing to say plainly i don't even want to say how bad it is just what it is right it's always like called something else do you hear what i'm saying 
Yeah, no, I think it's uh, it's just like it's not getting anywhere. So I'm kind of frustrated. Well, I also look at it as I don't know if this is delusion. I don't know if this is just a separation from the classroom. But it does make me think about even that thing that came out uh, from the Surgeon General about the five essentials for workplace mental health and well-being, Mm -hmm. you know, and it outlines, you know. Oh, I sent it to Michael. He saw it. (laughs) Well, I saw it. If we were closer, I might have brought you a paper copy. (laughs) (laughs) I just saw it on Instagram. I'm like, okay, this is really good to know, you know, because even as an employee, I'm like, all right, I need to have these five essentials for my workplace. And then through the Instagram, like just for one example, it's like protection from harm. So it's like they surveyed people like, does your workplace prioritize workplace physical and um, psychological safety, enable adequate rest, normalize and support mental health, operationalizes diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, norms, policies and programs. And I laughed out loud being like, I would say no, but I think my bosses would say yes. Because they have these things out there where they're like, we work on equity. That's one of our norms. And I'm like, but we don't actually work on equity or look at changing the system. So it's like this. I don't know. I don't I, I don't even know what I would call it. But I feel like there's like this psychological mismatch of like what's actually going on to be able to create real meaningful change. You know, like on a worker level and then also to like, I always say like we're lying to parents. You know, like if we're going to say like all is well, your kids are great. There's 35 kids stuffed in here. No air conditioning, (laughs) but kids are reading better than ever. Like (laughs) what? You know, I we're lying. Yeah. And there's well, or it's like, what is the the need? What is the conditioning to always make it sound great? Yes, because again, I don't think you like you said you have to make it sound bad. You just have to say what it is. Yes, right. Well, I think your job is to do partly that, but but also to say what good looks like. You know, Mm -hmm. this is what it is. Yeah, and people say it's good, or that's the that's the you know the company line, but it's not for these following reasons. And here's the alternative. And look at the difference. And then you want to get your foot in the door with the alternative. Yeah, you know, I did send out that report to all of you guys, everyone I know about the workplace stuff. Um, Because I thought there were some good ideas. But then I had thought, I'm like, okay, you know what's missing from this? The power dynamic. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like. Jeez, and crackers, I got sucked in. I mean, and I do again. <laughs> I like it and I like the language, but I'm like, it doesn't address the power dynamic. It doesn't mm-hmm. address like what we're talking about in terms of even like students, right? Like students having the power. And I'm, I'm going to be like right. the power mm-hmm. and teachers having the power. And this is how a principal could actually create more power is to plug into their power. Um, so that is what that piece you know, it's just like workplaces should do these things. It's like, yeah, well, who has the power to do that? Your job is to keep saying this sounds all right at a superficial level, but it's missing something. Yeah. And this is the kind it's missing and it will never go anywhere without these things being addressed. Yeah. Do you think there's like a philosophical difference? Because what I even hear in what Joanna's saying or she's like, the kids need the power. I hear that and I'm like, well, yeah, it's their learning. So they should be in charge of it. But then I can imagine somebody else thinking like, 
children with power? That would be awful because we need to tell them what to do. You know what I mean? Like, do you feel like the people with power have a different philosophy or and that needs to shift? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, it's the people. Uh, the rut is that students aren't um, aren't prepared enough to be the saviors we're talking about. That, right. that is to be their own learning and other learning. But they're, they're in the best position to be that if we can help them get into that next phase. But because of the philosophical difference, you never get a chance to mm-hmm. uh, enable students to be better at that. So getting students better able to be part of making change is really the key to it. And it's basically, you never get that far because people say, well, we can't let them. But the whole thing is the pedagogical essence of this mm-hmm. is that the unequal power between students and those that are trying to teach them or administrate, those that, that unequal power is interfering with the very learning that's championed. It's interfering with the learning that's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why it's doubly wrong. Double trouble, double wrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like, I really, I'm really enjoying how you frame things, Michael. You know, like, I'll be all like, look <laughs> at the doom and gloom. And you'll be like, but there's flowers and rainbows on the other side. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not in like a delusional way, but I can see how you'll, I hear it, the hope and the like, just switch it, like flip it. And then you'll well, see. Well, he talks about where the power's at. Mm-hmm. You know, where do you get power? It's in that way. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. where do you get a solution? You, you offer it up. We know a lot of people, um, teachers I'm talking about, administrators in our deep learning systems that have figured this out and are on the right track. So I know it can be done because I I've, I've see it. And so part of the reason I'm writing books this way is to say what those things look like. But on the ground, you want to have... Uh, you want to get to this point. You've nailed the problem, but you haven't seen how to get moving towards the solution. Mm-hmm. And and yet you're around. You're all over that. And so it's only a matter of time before that breaks through. I'll keep telling Haley, we're in it. We're doing it. We're moving. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, she'll she'll feel like we're not. And I'm like, but we are, you know, we're, we are in it. We're moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a positive undertone here. We see you, we hear you, we are you, and we want more of you, and you want, we want you to help us define what more of you looks like. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of extension. Don't, so it's not just geared towards, don't worry, we have empathy and knowledge about this, the, the, you know, the rut you're in. It's also, we're starting to hear and see possibilities of getting out of that rut. And so you, get, you, you start to have a little sub-theme. Where is it happening? Where are we mm-hmm. getting successes? How can it move forward? Hmm. Yeah, I love it. I'm like, Michael, expert slash therapist slash educator, <laughs> amplified producer. <laughs> well, and that just shows again how this is so needed, right? Or, yeah. uh, you know, or, or again, like the spark is in us. And it's this kind of conversation that again, like that, that brings forth, you know, it's back to that who's abandoning whom, like this is yeah. who's out here still. And yeah. we just need a little, you know, gas put in the tank through these kind of situations, conversations, and ideas. It's cool to see you impacted by Michael and his words because, mm-hmm. right, it just, 
it's like it's like our students when they're hungry for someone to just mm-hmm. listen and understand them. Yeah. That is where our teachers are at. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is where our teachers are at. Well, I want you to keep your voice going and expand because what you're doing is dispelling uh, what what a lot of people perceive the union uh, union's role. Mm-hmm. You're dispelling it. You're like actually we're we're the teachers of 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 the future and of creating the future. And so y- you portray a completely different image of of uh, of NEA. I'll just say mm-hmm. compared to what a lot of people assume. Mm-hmm. So I think you, that's why you uh, stand out more because, and that's, and NEA is supporting you because that's a message they want to see mm-hmm. amplified to use your word. And that's, uh, that's where you got to do more of it. And it's got to be, this is the real world that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The real better. You want the real bad world or you want the real better world? Mm-hmm. I want people to always understand that how deeply teachers feel it, mm-hmm. how accurately they see it. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that they really do just need to be empowered. Our next guest is going to be um, so it's in this direction. So mm-hmm. our next guest is going to be a young teacher. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll be. I'm going to tune in and uh, get some ideas additionally. This felt so good to me. Thank you so much. Yeah, we know you've been a listener, and now you've been able to be a guest. We really do appreciate you. Carving out the time of your busy international schedule to sit here and talk with us. Thanks very much. I really appreciate being invited. Well, we thank you, and we'll be in touch soon. For sure. Okay. Take care. All right. You take care, too. Bye-bye. Well, wasn't that a lovely conversation to have with Dr. Full? And I'm so glad that you got to experience him. I know. Thank you so much. Yeah, it did feel really good. I... What I really enjoyed the most out of that was being able to just pause, like think deeply, reflect. Um, and I especially like that because it is just, it's not something I get on a regular basis. Or I could probably even say that I've ever had from anything like any type of quote unquote professional development offered through my district. Like, I've never really been able to sit and like think and ponder like that, but in like really meaningful ways that I know I'll want to listen to this episode again and again, you know, (laughs) to help thinking. Um, So on one hand, I'm I'm sad that like, you know, we say we have teacher professional development, but I've never felt this connected. So then I'm happy that I was able to feel this connected and I hope other people do too. Yeah, well, you talking makes me think about how the institution is just so limited. There's been things that I've mentioned before on Educators Amplified where I've been like, I wish that the kind of like organizing collegial aspect was a part of our day-to-day in schools. And now you talking about how actual like intellectual conversation and real critical thinking about our work Mm -hmm. should be part, you know, so I'm always just like, why is it so limited that these aren't, this isn't part of it? You know, for many years, you've said that the most exciting parts of education to you are the things that happen outside of it. (laughs) Yes. A thousand percent. Oh my gosh. What an opportunity. I was thinking again on the positive tip, like Michael really does like lift, lift me up. Mm -hmm. Um, or taps into that part of me that is the same, that even though I'm like 
Miss Real and realistic, <laughs> you know, I am an optimist, right? Yeah. Or I am uh-huh. always like, but here's the way, or here's the love, or here's the light, or here's how we connect. Um, so that's the well, part of the conversation that that I'm left with is the whole like, okay, so how do you shine a it's time, not even how, because I think we don't know how it's this podcast. Time to shine a, shine a light on the solutions. Yeah, I hear in what you're saying that you really are like, ooh, that was like soul connecting. Because yeah. I think you and Michael have in common the you're grounded in how things in education can get better. Hmm. You know, and you're not delusional that there's a fight and that there are, you know, messed up things going on or but I can just hear you're both tethered to this bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really good connection or just a really good working relationship. And so I'm like, yeah, we need more. Well, and, and that's now for all of us here out in the EA universe. <laughs> EA for Educators Amplified. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Any other thoughts that you were thinking or... Well, I just encourage people to look it up. I know uh, Michael made a comment at the beginning of our conversation about how people think they know him because they've read his books mm-hmm. and uh, and they are good. They're good reading, uh, good stuff, good highlight of uh, really great work. But now people get to really know him. They get to hear his voice and really hear his thoughts and I don't know. He and I have talked about that from time to time about how when your work is really out there, that it's easy to be misinterpreted. And our conversation was not superficial. It was real. It was there was depth to it. So that's cool. Yeah. Something else too that I just I just want to say thank you to you. Like like I said in the beginning, I always was like dang, you will reach out to anybody, you know, and that was a foreign concept to me. Like, you know, I may really like someone or read someone's article and think it's cool, but I would feel nervous or I would feel like, is that weird if I contact someone? So I guess Mm. me, I'm like, if anybody gets anything from this podcast episode, reach out to people that inspire you because look at what can come from it. Absolutely. I mean, and for me, that's just real Mm -hmm. of like, if you touch my heart, you touch my soul, you got me thinking in a way it literally like taps into my whole like greater good sense or something. Yeah, I'll reach out to you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it's just a part of who I am and who I am. And like you said, not in a thirsty chaser fangirl way, but in a if you you. It's connected with me. And isn't that a great feeling, though, when oh, yeah. somebody shares what connected with them with you and so yeah I guess right this has been a a great connection or right it's I'm telling you the whole um zoom world did open up my life yeah so thank you for bringing him on thank you for you know bringing him into my life listeners life all of that you know there's so much more to learn and explore of what he brings to the world Um, And then, right, I'll just continue to encourage listeners, if you haven't already, to read the op-ed that Joanna and Michael wrote together called, you know, Who's Abandoning Whom? We mentioned that in the podcast, but we'll include it in the links within our description. 
And then all the other things that Michael mentioned as well, we'll also add that links to those things within our description as well. So thank you everybody for listening. Please let us know what you think through Instagram, Facebook at Educators Amplified. You can email us, um, educatorsamplified at gmail.com, whatever. Just we always want to connect. Always, always, always. So, hey, maybe we'll be someone's cold call. Hey, yeah. <laughs> With that email yeah. is open. I don't think I don't think anybody's been writing to it lately, but we do put our email out there and we'd love to hear from you. Lifting up. Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Hey, Wisconsin educators. You like what you hear and want to learn more? WEAC is here for you. Go to WEAC.org to learn more. And if you want to join your education association, a.k.a. the union, go to WEAC.org backslash join now. Educators Amplified, the podcast, is recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Evert, with original music by DJ Drip Sweat. Thank you to our sponsor, the National Education Association. Educators Amplified, the podcast.